Hey guys, how's it going? This is Josue Salcedo, youth pastor of Remnant Youth here at King Jesus Ministry. This is the Remnant Youth Podcast. I want to thank you for tuning in with us today. And if you're looking for something that speaks louder than your situation and you want to know what God is saying now, then this message is for you. I want to speak to you for the next couple of minutes on the Rema word, a Rema word that God is speaking to our church. And that's the, that's, um, you know, it's a Rema word that God has been speaking to our church for some time now. Many of you, you've sat through the series. Maybe you went to the USM uh, on pastoral care. And we've been, God has really been speaking to our apostle about the heart. You know, one of the things that apostle told us was the reason why God has been speaking to him about the heart is because Jesus told him, I need you to get my bride ready for my coming. You know, and there's a spiritual, there's a, it, there's a spiritual principle that I want to teach you tonight. In the book of Luke, it talks about seeds that are being planted. Metamor, you know, representing when you hear God's word or when you read God's word or when you listen to a preaching either on YouTube or on a Sunday service. The Bible talks about seeds. And every time there's a seed planted, there's birds. The Bible says that there's birds that try to come and eat the seed. Then it says that some seeds fall on rocks or weeds and they die. They never bear fruit. But then there's other people that these seeds, it falls into fertile soil and the seed bears fruit. The reason why I'm mentioning this to you is because every time you receive a prophetic word, every time you receive a dream, a vision by God, every time you read God's word, you read one of his promises for your life, the devil will fight you off so that that promise will never be fulfilled and never come to pass. The moment you hear God's word, the moment that somebody prophesies over your life, the moment you hear really good preaching, the moment God ministers to you, that is the same moment that spiritual warfare take place. Because the devil will try to fight you off and steal that seed, steal that dream, steal that vision, steal that business, steal that word, steal your hope, steal your faith. Somebody say, tonight, my heart. It's good fertile soil in Jesus' name. All right. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. There's a couple of scriptures that I'm going to share with you tonight. It's going to be very good tonight. Let's read tonight. Let's read the, the, the word of God together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the Bible teaches us that we are all surrounded. You and I, the moment we give our lives to Jesus, the moment that you and I said yes to God, yes to his kingdom, there was a cloud of witnesses that surrounded you and I. And the Bible talks about that we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. I'm talking about witnesses like Moses, witnesses like David, witnesses like generals and champions of the faith that we read about in God's word and that we read about throughout history. These are the great cloud of witnesses and let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race, say with me race, that marked us, that marked out for us. This is what I want to tell you tonight. This is how I want to start the message. Revival started, revival first starts in the heart. There's no revival, not the revival in Wales, not the revival in California and Azusa Street. There's no revival that we've ever read about, that we've ever encountered, that first didn't start in the heart. Revival first starts in the heart. Say that with me. And the reason why we lose revival... The reason why we lose the move of God, the reason why sometimes individually we lose what God's trying to do in our personal life through our personal calling, through our personal leadership, is, we, is because our focus goes to something else other than the heart. Revival starts with the heart and sometimes we've lost revival because the focus becomes something else other than the heart. The focus is now attendance. 
The focus is now miracles. The focus is now something else other than the heart. And whenever our focus goes to anything else other than the heart, we'll, we cannot sustain what God gives us. We will lose it. So I want to start tonight's message by telling you, you and I, we're in a race. I want you to get happy about it. I want you to smile and say with me, I'm in a race. The moment you say yes to Jesus was the moment that you got your tag and you're now in a race. The moment that you say yes to God's kingdom, the moment that even if it was in your mind or in your heart and all you did was just become curious about the God that loves you, the God that they talk to you and preach to you about, the moment that you just said, God, I may want to know you, that's the moment that you started in a race. I want you to picture yourself as if you were in the Olympics and you're surrounded by these cloud of witnesses that are watching how you run your race. Can I tell you tonight, you have a race. How many of you believe that you have a purpose? Your race represents your purpose. I'm getting somewhere. Your, your race represents your calling. It represents the dream of God for your life. It represents the best version that you could ever live. It represents the best expression of your life. How many of you know that the best version of your life is not there? It's not out there in the world. It's not out there in the streets. That's what you and I would call a prodigal life. The type of life that will get you and I to run back to God. The greatest version of your life is your purpose in God. The greatest version of your life that you could ever live is running your race. Somebody holla, I got a race. Tonight, young people, I want to tell you, I want to look in your eyes and I want to tell you, you have a great call upon your life. You have a great purpose. God wants to use you. I believe in your calling. I believe in your purpose. You weren't born by chance. You weren't born by coincidence. As a matter of fact, it doesn't matter the country, the city, or the womb that you were born out of. What matters is that you've been destined to fulfill greatness. There's greatness inside of you. Somebody got to wake up tonight. I'm preaching to you. There is greatness in the inside of you. Maybe you've never believed it. Maybe you've been doubting your whole life maybe nobody ever told you I believe in you maybe your own family would criticize you and tell you you'll never amount to nothing but the devil is a liar you will amount to something and something above and beyond and greater than what you or anybody could ever imagine my God I came tonight to tell somebody you got a purpose you want to fulfill you got a purpose you there's a version of your life you want to taste and try and live out and fulfill my God I'm preaching to somebody tonight you have a great call you're destined you're called for greatness you're called to do something that your family never did never accomplished you're called to be delivered you're called to live a life of freedom you're called to open up a business that can cause a change in all of history you have a purpose you're meant for greatness and I believe in your greatness. I believe in you. There's a father in this house that believes in you. You were born with purpose, not without it. You were born with a great destiny. You were born with a great calling. And the devil has been trying to sidetrack you your entire life so that you and I would never find out of all the greatness that is in store of us and all the greatness that we're supposed to live out and fulfill. Distractions like a nine to five. Distractions like hoeing around and having sex. Distractions like trying to get high and get drunk and that's life, trying to live life to the fullest. I ain't trying to live life to the fullest. I'm trying to fulfill my purpose. I want to run the race. I want to do what no one else can do here on earth. I want to do what you can never do. I want you to do what I can never do. What the person sitting next to you, in front of you, and in back of you can never accomplish. Because that's how great your race is. 
It's your race that makes you different. My God, it's your race that makes you powerful. It's your race that makes you great. It's the way you look. It's the skin tone of your body. Oh, my God, I want to tell you, you've been destined for greatness. If no one ever told you, let me tell you, you were destined for greatness. You're meant to be spoken about. You're meant to be on the front cover of the Miami Herald. You're meant to come out in New York Times and Time Magazine. But you got to run your race. Say with me, I'm called. I'm destined. What are you doing there wasting time, wasting life? Don't ever trade your greatness for something that's mediocre. Run your race. Look at your name and tell them, I'm going to run my race. Now, I said all of that to tell you this. You could be the fastest runner. You can be the most muscular, most fit, most flexible, more, most cut up runner. But there's one thing that's needed, and that's the heart. Because if your heart ain't right, young people, it doesn't matter how fast you run. Sooner or later, you're going to run out of breath. Sooner or later, you will fall flat on your face. It doesn't matter how, muscle, how many muscles you have. It doesn't matter how big your traps, how big your biceps, your quads, or your triceps are. If your heart ain't ready, if your heart ain't right, sooner or later, your body will give up on you. Your muscles, your stamina, your strength will give up on you. What are you talking about, Pastor. You can be the most unique. You can be the one that's called to fulfill the greatest purpose on earth. But if your heart ain't right. You can have all the talents in the world. You can have all the greatest. You can have read all the leadership books. You can be the greatest leader. But if your heart ain't right, sooner or later, you will fall. Sooner or later, you won't make it. Young people, listen to what I'm telling you. If your heart ain't right, you can be the craziest evangelist. You can be the most anointed. You can be the most feared. You can be the most respected. You can be the most talented, the most smartest, the most unique, the most original. You you can have swag for days. You can be the cutest person in the room. You can have the bluest of eyes. Everything can be right and perfect with you. But if your heart ain't right, you can drive a Bugatti for all I care. You can be a billionaire for all I care. But if your heart ain't right, sooner or later, you're going to fall. You're going to faint. You're gonna, your face is going to meet the, the, the floor, the pavement. Somebody holler, my heart needs to be right. If you want to run the race of your marriage, your heart needs to be right. If you want to run the race of your career, of your purpose, of your calling, your heart must be right. If you want to fulfill, if you want to get to the finish line of all God called you to do, of all God called you to be, your heart must be right. In other words, if your heart ain't right. In other words, if you don't know how to deal with offenses, If your heart ain't strong enough to deal with setbacks, if your heart ain't, oh, I'm preaching right now. If your heart ain't strong enough to deal with people's criticisms and people's betrayal and people's gossip, if your heart ain't strong enough to deal with the haters that want to be where you're at and want to run the race you're running instead of running the race that they should be running, if your heart ain't right, if your heart ain't strong, sooner or later, you're going to fall. So I want to speak to you about the heart tonight. All right. Everyone comes to Jesus with a wounded heart. All of us got to church with a wounded heart. Now, this is important because this is one of the bases of the message. If you don't understand tonight... That right there, as cute as you are, as good as you look, if you don't understand that tonight, right here, right now, where you're seated at, 
If you don't understand that there's wounds in your heart, you will miss the message. If you think that this is more for your neighbor than for you, you will miss the message. Because no one in this room can say, I've never gone through painful experiences. Or is there a liar in our midst? Anybody here never gone through a painful experience? Lift up your hands. That you've never gone through a painful experience? It's okay. It's, it's happened to me before. I've been here for a couple of years. I've done it. How many people here can say, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never gone through a painful experience in my life. Who's the liar? All of us have gone through painful experiences. Some of us, we know what abuse feels like. We've seen abuse. We've stared abuse in the face. We know, some of us, we know what betrayal feels like. We still have that knife in our back. We know what it is for a best friend to try to cheat on, to try to take our girl or try to take our man. We know, oh, am I preaching to somebody here tonight? We know how that stab wound feels. We know how that knife feels in the back. We know betrayal. Many of us, we know what it is to be rejected. We know what it is to be outcasted. We know what it is to feel the pressure to fit in because if we don't do what people say we have to do, then we're going to be an outcast for the rest of our lives. We know what it is to try to do things to be accepted. That's called rejection. You know, we all know what it is to be rejected. We all know what it is to go through pain, through abuse. Some of us here, we've been raped. We've been sexually abused. We've been physically abused. There's people here tonight in our midst that you've been in abusive relationships where men have hit you with their own hands, where men have abused you, where they've made you feel like the scum of the earth, and God says you're his princess. There's people here tonight that you've gone through things that you don't even understand how and why you're still alive, but I'll tell you why, because there's a race you need to run. There's a purpose you need to fulfill. There's a greatness inside of you that it doesn't matter how much abuse you've had to endure it doesn't matter how many betrayals and setbacks and rejection and criticism and gossip and haters it doesn't matter you know what I love about that man that Jesus casted out a legion of demons into pigs and those demons committed suicide you know what I love about that story it didn't matter how many demons were inside of him, those demons couldn't take him out. It took out a herd of pigs, but it couldn't take him out. Can I tell you why? Because his purpose was to lead the entire village to get to know Jesus. I want to tell you, your purpose is bigger than the depression. Your purpose is bigger than the setbacks. Your purpose is bigger than the gossip. Bigger than the... Bigger than the gossip, bigger than the criticism, bigger than the knife to the back. Bigger than your friend trying to date your own man. Your purpose is bigger than that. Bigger than the father that walked out on you. Bigger than the person that abused you and raped you. Bigger than your grandfather, bigger than your family. Somebody all out on a purpose. That's why we're still here. We're still alive. We're still breathing. Say with me, I got a purpose. So all of us, we all come to Jesus wounded. We all get to church wounded. And can I tell you something? People who are wounded are the most vulnerable to betray you. Leaders, listen to me. People who are wounded are the ones that are most vulnerable to betray you. That's why, leaders, listen, mentors, listen. That's why you must heal those who you lead. How many of you have ever been through a painful experience? One, two. How many of you have been through a painful experience? How many of you have ever felt betrayed or you got betrayed in life? love that. Listen, now let me ask you a personal question. Can I? Heart to heart, no judgment. How many of you have ever hurt someone? One, two, 
three. How many of you have ever hurt someone? You know why you hurt someone? Because you yourself got hurt. You know why you were able to hurt your mom? Your dad? You know why you were able to do what you didn't even want to be done to you? Because someone hurt you. And when you walk around life hurt, when you walk around life bitter and wounded, you'll start doing that to others. If you don't want to wound your marriage, get healed. If you don't want to wound your life, you, oh, I'm going to preach to somebody here tonight. Listen, this is not hype. This is truth. If you don't ever want to sleep with someone else's spouse, if you don't want to be a home wrecker, heal your heart. If you don't want to hurt people the way you fear to be hurt yourself, heal your heart. Because if you're wounded, that wound, it doesn't matter how cute and nice and pretty you are. It doesn't matter how many times you come to King Jesus on a Friday night. If you wounded, that wound will fool you, will trick you, and deceive you to end up do the very thing you thought you would have never had the guts to do. That's why you and I must get healed. Not only heal others, but we need to get healed because if not, we'll go life hurting people. Do you understand why now some of you, you get into arguments all the time? Do you understand why some of you, you give people the stank eye? Do you understand why now you, you, you just catch an attitude with people? You're looking at, you can't even smile nowadays. You know, do you understand why now you're always fussing and fighting with your mom? Why you talk crap about your own parents behind their back? Do you understand why some of you now, I'm not judging you. I'm trying to explain you to you. Do you understand why you do the things that frustrate you, that stress you out? Do you understand why now you talk and you say things that you know you shouldn't be saying it's wrong for you to say do you understand why you've heard it the people that are most close to you the people that you love the most do you understand why you're hurting your sister it's because you yourself are hurt and God wants to heal you am I preaching to anybody here tonight or am I just preaching to myself We've been doing deliverance wrong all, all this time. The focus has been lay hands on me. The focus has been pray for me. Mentors, how many of you have ever gotten a disciple that you've had to deliver multiple times? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I was that disciple. Because the focus was, what can you do for me? The focus was, how can you pray for me? How can you cast out this demon? The focus was, oh, this demon that I'm battling with. Oh, look, the devil's a liar. The devil's attacking me. Listen, we've been doing deliverance wrong this whole time. Deliverance ain't about the devil. Deliverance ain't about a Hollywood movie flashing before your eyes. And now I'm delivered because this angel and angel Valentine showed up to my deliverance. And now I know I'm here. No, no, deliverance doesn't have to do with no angels and no devils. The deliverance has to do with your heart. It has to do with you owning up, taking responsibility, saying, you know what? I got into that accident. I hit that garbage can. Not because the devil is after me, because I was texting on my phone. It's about time you take responsibility. And I will show you how tonight. Samuel 16, 7. Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Question, where does the, where does the Lord look at? Ladies, can I direct myself to you for a moment? Can I tell you what's so cool and so rad and so awesome about Jesus? He ain't after you for your curves. 
He ain't after you for your body. He ain't looking at your physique. He ain't looking at how thick your thighs are. He ain't looking at how big your butt is. He ain't looking at your hips. He ain't looking at your curves. He don't want you for the physical. He wants you for your heart. Fellas, can I tell you, Jesus ain't after you for your anointing, for the car you drive, how much money you make. Jesus is after you for what your own family can't even look at. He's after your heart. He's after the things that people don't even know you're going through, battling with. He's after the depression. He's after the insecurity. He's after the wound that's causing you to live a life that you were never meant to live. He knows why you dress the way you dress. He knows why you carry yourself the way you carry yourself. He knows why you talk the game you talk. He ain't after the front. He's after the heart. Because if he heals your heart, he can heal your life. If he can heal you from that wound, then you're not going to be that stubborn, rebellious you anymore. You're not going to be the bitter you anymore. You're not going to talk to your parents the way you do anymore. If he can heal your heart, you're not going to... You won't be posting some of the pictures you post on Instagram anymore. You won't try to get the whole world to try to check out your body anymore. You won't have to fight for popularity or, or, or attention anymore. I'm trying to tell you, if you let God heal your wound, you'll see a new, a new you, a new heart, a new life, a new identity, a new character. You'll see a secure you, a better you, a better version. Some of us are like the iPhone that came out. And there's a greater version of your life. But you'll never know it. You'll never live it. Unless God deals with the heart. So we understand that God prioritizes the heart. The Bible says you can't mock God. You can't fool God. You can't run game on God. God sees your intentions. God sees your motives. Have you ever seen a man trying to sweet talk a girl? Trying to holler at a girl? Baby, I love you. Girl, you're so pretty. I only have eyes for you. I'll do anything for you. I'll cut my veins for you. I'll die for you. I'll buy you anything you want. But his motive and his intention is just to get between her thighs. That's what God looks at. That's what God looks at. You know what that tells you? You in need of healing, brother. Your heart is in need of healing. And can I tell you, if that's you, I'm not judging you because that was me 15, 16, 17 years ago. That was me in high school. I'm not judging you. But I want to tell you, that ain't the real you. And if you think that that's the real you, if you think that that's you, oh, let me tell you, you got it twisted because the Bible says that even your own heart can deceive you. Even your own heart is deceptive in its ways. You know what that means? Your own heart can live. Your own heart can lead you to live a deception. Your own heart can lead you to become a deception, a fake anti-you. Your heart can lead you to never know the true you. That's why we need God to heal us. Man, I ain't got time to do all of this. I feel it. Yes, Lord, I'm going to obey. Let me close the message. There's so much I can give you, but guess what? Apostle preaches this message a billion times better. Get the series. I'm going to show you one of the functions of your heart. And we begin to minister because that's what's really needed tonight. Can I get, oh man, can some, okay, let's get this. Can I get, can, can somebody run and get, does anybody have a Coca-Cola here? For whatever reason, you just brought a Coke or you brought a soda with you. Lift up your hands, save us some time. Gatorade, come on girl. I say you prepare, you in the spirit. Come on, bring that blue Gatorade over here. Can you, can you help me with the example? 
awesome. Listen, I want to take you to one last verse and I'll close. Let's go to Luke. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. What did the Spirit of God do to Jesus? He anointed Jesus. He empowered Jesus. He made him more than capable, above and beyond, to do three things. To what? Come on, read it with me. To proclaim what? The first reason why the Spirit of God anointed Jesus was to preach the good news, was to save your heart. Why? Revival starts in the heart. And there's no revival that ever started in history that didn't start with repentance of sin. God wants to show you your weakness. God wants to show you, and as he shows you, he wants to love you and let you know that it's okay to not be perfect. But you need to repent. Why proclaim the good news? So that you can finally realize what's wrong with you. So that you can realize what needs change in your life. Number two, why did the Spirit of God anoint him? To what? To proclaim freedom. I don't like that version. Can we go to a New King James Version? The Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Jesus and anointed him for three things. Number one, to preach the gospel, the salvation of the heart. Number two, to heal the brokenhearted. And number three, to deliver those who are captive. We've been wanting to be delivered, but not healed in the heart. We've wanted people to cast out demons, lay hands on us, but we haven't wanted to take ownership and responsibility. That's why you can be touched and not changed. That's why you can be touched and not transformed. That's why you can deliver somebody and they still blame others. You can deliver somebody and they still play a victim. You can deliver somebody and they still go through cycles and patterns in their life because they were touched but not changed. You must be healed first, then delivered. You see where it says he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted? You know what the word brokenhearted means? It means a fragmented heart. If I was to hit you across the head with this, something's going to break. A brokenhearted is a fragmented heart. It's a wounded heart. It's literally a heart that has been walked on. Stepped all over, shattered in pieces. And you know when you can experience a broken heart? As early as in the womb of your mom. You're a girl, but they wanted a boy. You're a blessing, but everyone's cursing you. You're the blessing that God gave your parents, but their family was cursing them. Too early. What did you do? You ruined your life. And you felt that in your mother's womb. Brokenhearted. How else? Where else did it start? Your childhood. Your adolescence. Your own grandfather touched you. Your uncle touched you. A family member that you trusted that your family trusted or even your own parents abused you. They touched you. Somebody raped you. Somebody molested you. Someone robbed you from your innocence. What happened? This is your heart. They wanted a boy. This is your heart. You're a blessing. But everybody's saying, too soon. You got pregnant too soon. You ruined your life. Someone abused you. Someone raped you. Someone robbed you from your innocence. You're trying to fit in with the crowd. You're making best friends with the coolest person in the school. 
and then they talk crap about you, make fun of you and behind your back, shattered heart. You're trying to be cool with the homeboys, but they don't give a damn about you. You're trying to take bullets for people that will walk out on you in a fist fight. Someone took your virginity. And now you're easy. Where else can you get a broken heart? As a teenager, you loved that boy's friend so much. And he cheated on you with your best friend. Or your middle school, high school enemy. Broken heart. And if the womb is not enough, if the childhood is not enough, if your teenage years is not enough, if in your adulthood years you're not enough, you worked so hard, but they gave someone else your promotion. Am I preaching to anybody? Someone stole your client, your contract. Someone betrayed you. They put their knife, their, the knife to your back. A divorce. They robbed you from your business. And if all of that is not enough, if the wound, your adolescence, your childhood, your teenagers, your adult life is not enough, then here in ministry, here in church, people hurt you. You know that some of the deepest wounds that they've done to me, it wasn't in the streets. It wasn't my homeboy that drove right past me when I was surrounded with a whole bunch of dudes getting ready to get pretty much drunk. Nah, it wasn't none of that. Some of the deepest wounds that people have ever done to me have been here in church. And this is how you're walking around, a broken heart. This is how you're living life. A broken heart and you want to love God so bad but how can you love God with all of your heart if your heart is shattered you want to be right you want to live holy you want to do right you want to do the right things you want to treat your mom the way you know you ought to but there's an issue your heart is broken you want to be faithful you don't want to cheat on your man you don't want to cheat on your girl but there's an issue you don't want to rob nobody an issue your heart has been broken but I got good news for you tonight there's an anointing from the Spirit of God that came upon Jesus and that anointing can literally take a shattered heart an abused heart a wounded heart a heart that has been through criticism rape abused and he can make your heart whole again. As if you never went through that abuse. As if someone never betrayed you, spoke bad about you. As if you never got raped. That's the importance of tomorrow's deliverance retreat. It's at a setting like that where this can happen. Can you imagine? I used to spit at people. They used to say what's up to me that I didn't know. And my homeboys used to respect me for it. Walking around with anger, walking around with bitterness, lusting after almost every other girl I would see, living in fornication, battling with drugs, alcohol, pornography. I was living a life I was never destined to live. I was running a race I was not destined to run. I was running a hundred miles the wrong direction. Can you imagine? I want you to picture your life. This is you giving attitude to everybody. This is you talking crap about people. This is you treating people in a way that God doesn't even see them. This is you lazy, indifferent, passive, murmuring complaining this is you 
because you're hurt, because you're fragmented, you're broken, you're shattered. And all God wants to do is restore you to the original you, to the original heart, before the abuser stepped in, before the offender stepped in, before you were offended, before you were hurt, before you were betrayed, before your father walked out on you, before you started hanging out with the people you knew you shouldn't have hanged out with, before you lost your virginity, before they cheated on you, he wants to restore you. How many of you want to be restored? All right, now you can help me. Can I get the bottle of water? And with this, I close tonight's message. How many of you are receiving? What's your name? Prieta? Brianna. Bree. Can you give it up for Brianna, for Bree? All right. I want you to come up here. We can take the top off. It's okay to drink Gatorade right now, okay? It's okay. I'll take the top. Let's do this. Hold this one here. God will deal with your shyness the way he dealt with mine. Okay. Give it up and breathe one more time. How many of you want your heart to be healed? You don't want to hurt nobody. You don't want to continue life being hurt. Still being able to go to that past, those thoughts. You want to be healed. Anybody? One, two. There's an anointing that's going to come over you tonight. It's going to heal you. This is one way. Next week, my wife will be preaching here on the heart. And she's a way better preacher than I am. And I know that God will use her to do greater things than what will happen tonight. So we will go more into depth next week, next Friday. But this is what I want to show you. If you want to be healed, I want to show you one of the functions of your heart. And one of the functions of your heart is that it's the gatekeeper. Can I see the faucet? What do I mean the gatekeeper? Your heart is what opens or closes what comes in and what comes out. In other words, if you're struggling with pornography, it's because you opened your heart to it. If you're bitter, it's because you opened your heart to it. If you're poor and living in lack, it's because you opened your heart to it. The condition of your heart will determine the condition of your life. The condition of your heart will determine how you live life. That's why the Bible says above everything else, guard your heart because your life flows from it. If you're perverse, it's because your heart is perverse. If you're bitter, it's because your heart is first bitter. If you're immoral, it's because your heart is moral. The condition of your heart will determine the condition of your life. God can give you a new life. He can change your life if he changes your heart. And the first, there's two functions I want to share with you. Number one, you choose. You're in control to what you open or close to come in or to come out of your heart. And number two, your heart regulates how much comes in and how much goes out. Let me give you an example. This Gatorade represents, I'm sorry, you can hold it up. This Gatorade represents evil. It represents sin. It represents all that the devil wants you to do in your life. It represents curses that you didn't even work for. Your parents gave them to you. You inherited it. 
It represents poverty. It represents lust, sexual immorality. It represents everything you don't want to be a part of the version of your life, the history of your life. And this water, it's Fiji water, represents the run, the race you were predestined to run, the great call upon your life. God's purpose for you. It represents the fruit of the Spirit. It represents peace. It represents joy. It represents love. It represents self-control. It represents dominion, authority, being fruitful. This represents the life you were predestined to live. This represents everything God has for you, wants for you. This represents life, God's word, God's will, God's heart. It represents godly decisions. This is the revelation. This is the revelation. You decide. Say with me, I decide. You're in control. Say with me, I'm in control. Of what comes in and what comes out. In other words, you're in control. I want you to drink Gatorade now. You're in control if gossip comes into you. You can drink Gatorade. You don't drink Gatorade? Just, just drink a little bit for the sake of the example. Come on, help me out, Bree. Just drink a little bit. <clears throat> Listen, you, you are in control of what comes into your life. Are you going to allow gossip to come into your life? Come on, Bree, keep drinking. Are you going to allow pornography, lust... Are you going to let bitterness, are you going to let offenses come into your life? Or are you going to decide to not allow gossip to come into your life? Are you going to be the one to say, I'm in control. I'm not going to let the world come into my life no more. I'm not going to allow bitterness to come into my life anymore. I'm not going to let those type of people or those type of conversations come into my life anymore. The devil is a liar. You can stop all the wrong relationships from being a part of your life because you're in control your heart decides what comes in and what comes out are you gonna allow complain murmur loss criticism hatred racism come into your life or are you gonna allow what God has for you are you gonna allow holiness are you gonna allow peace are you gonna allow forgiveness are you gonna allow love Somebody got to stand to their feet and say, I'm in control. I'm going to let the life of God be what comes into me and what only comes into me. Damn, breathe. There you go. Listen. And this is what I close with. We're going to drink Gatorade one more time. I'll tell you one. Listen, this is for someone tonight. Even when you weren't in control of what came into your life. Because maybe you were abused. Maybe you were raped. This represents the painful experience that you went through. You didn't want that to happen to you. You didn't ask for that. You didn't want that person to rob you from your innocence. You didn't want that family member to sexually molest you, to touch you. Listen, even when you weren't in control, you see, I'm forcing her. Even when you're not, even when you weren't in control of what came in, you're always in control of what comes out. You're always in control of what comes out. Thank you, Bree. Can you put your hands together for Bree again? In other words, are you going to talk about, listen, if you're in control, then you can no longer blame people. If you're in control, you can no longer blame people. How can you blame someone for what they did to you when your heart decides how much of it comes in. 
if your heart decides what comes out, it doesn't matter even if you were in control or not what came in. You're always in control of what comes out. They betrayed me. Didn't Jesus say, bless those who curse you? I didn't want that curse to come in, but I'm in control. That blessing is going to come out. Love those who hate you. You hating on me. I'm not asking for it, but am I in I'm in control. The hate is not going to come out. Love is going to come out. I'm in control. You know what? Don't ever allow someone's offense to you dictate or determine how you will live the rest of your life. Even when they hate you, it doesn't matter how much you hate it on me, your hatred will not determine. Your hatred will not determine how I live. I'm in control of what comes out. You hate it on me, but I'm going to love you. You hate it on me, but I'm in control. Even if you hate on me, I'm in control of what's going to come out. So if you hate, I'm going to love. Are you going to talk about what people did to you? Or are you going to talk about what Jesus did for you? I mentioned this in the past conference we just had. Many of you might say, Pastor, I didn't ask for none of this. I didn't ask to go through what I went through. I didn't ask for that betrayal. I didn't ask for that abuse. I didn't ask for that rape. I didn't ask for that knife to be in my back. I didn't ask for my best friend, for that boyfriend, that girlfriend to do, my business partner to do, my first wife, my first husband to do what they did to me. I didn't ask for all of that. You want me to take responsibility? You want me to take responsibility for that person? The person that shot and killed my friend? The person that was drunk driving and ended up killing my mother? You want me to take responsibility for him? Did Jesus not do that for you? Yeah, it's tough. But what makes the difference with what you go through is what you do with the pain. Jesus forgive pain and if Jesus did it he anointed us to do the same and you might say where the hell was God when I went through what I went through where were you Jesus maybe you were like me that used to curse at God you know what Jesus is telling you you know where I was when they did what, what, what they did to you when they did what was never my will for you to go through, you know where I was? I was at the cross. I died for that mistake that was done to you. I died as much for the one that offended you as much as I died for you. So that that offense, that sin, would not dictate who you are, who you become, and how you live. Jesus says, you know where I was? I was at the cross. So that that rape wouldn't change you. So that that rape wouldn't dictate your mind, how you think and how you live. So that that offense wouldn't get the best of you. So that you can still love when they hate you. So that you can still bless when they curse you. Thank you for joining us today. And a special shout out to those who follow us on a weekly basis. If you love what you heard, hit the subscribe button and follow us at Remnant Youth on Instagram and YouTube. God bless you. We love you.